Well, look who's here. <laughs> you are back. You're back for episode three, which means you're not shocked, or maybe you are and you kind of like it.、Uh, anyway, whatever the reason, welcome back to Consenting Adults. I'm your host, Lena Wynn. Today, we are talking to an intimacy coach about the different arrangements that people have. In fact, she was able to convince her own parents. To think outside the box. She doesn't care if he has sex with other people. Part of their arrangement is that he's only with sex workers because she doesn't want there to be any possible feelings involved. It's just sex. Get ready. This is consenting adults. The conversations you are about to hear are intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So dirty talk, so yeah, sex talk. Yeah, it, it started off as dirty talk. I was actually like very excited to see my partner with somebody else. She looked at me and said, "So you want to have sex with other people? That's what you're saying." <laughs> and you find it a turn on to hear about what he did. Yeah, and then it's like I want to come home and get it the way she got it. Does he know you have a boyfriend? Well, yes. This is consenting adults with Lena Wynn. My guest today is Audria O'Neill, a certified intimacy coach. Like, who certifies you? What What does that actually mean? Well, there's different certifications you can get, and what's great about that is you end up getting eclectic education based on you know who you want to help. Um, for example, there are some intimacy coaches that are specifically they come from a Christian angle, or there are alternative lifestyle coaches. I love tantra. I think it brings a really beautiful element to intimacy, and therefore, I have a lot of education in that and how to incorporate that. Okay, so then you study what you study, you become certified, and then you help couples or people deal with whatever intimacy issues they may have, or maybe not even issues. Do you sometimes just help people discover things? Yes. When I was getting to know Audria before we did this interview, one of the things she told me was that she's been practicing. Ethical non-monogamy for twelve years, happily married for eight. Ethical non-monogamy. What does it mean? It means being non-monogamous in an ethical way, where there's no cheating. Cheating is lying to someone, manipulating them to believe a reality that is not the case, so that you can have your cake and eat it too. Okay, so but then as as a, as a young woman, let's say in your twenties. What is the difference between being promiscuous and ethical non-monogamy? In ethical non-monogamy, you can have a primary partner, but also be able to have flings or explore things with other people, and it's all in a very open, transparent way. That, okay, so with their knowledge, yes, with it, everyone's knowledge. But is it always with their blessing? Yes, it needs to be. Oh, it does. Yes, yes. You know, in relationships, you don't just do whatever you want whenever you want, and the other person deals with it. You have your own podcast, yes, called Make Love. Yes, I listened to it, and one thing that really struck me as、um, refreshing, actually, is to have a young woman. By the way, if you're not watching this, and some of you will be able to watch this, she's beautiful. And、uh, very often, when people think about swingers or open marriages or whatever kind of non-traditional sexual practices. You kind of think of those people that I remember seeing on HBO's Real Sex, where they're you know not attractive, overweight, they look like they're from Kansas. No offense to Kansas, but you know you don't think that regular or good-looking, attractive people take part in this, but they do. But you talk about proper sex. What is proper sex? Well, we were raised to believe sex has to be a certain way that it's only for procreation. That it's saved from marriage. It's only with the opposite sex. It's within the limits of monogamy. 
It cannot be kinky and it can never be compensated for. However, I very much believe that the only bad sex is non-consensual sex Mm -hmm. and what I call disposable sex, which is sex that lacks kindness, appreciation. Basically, it's one step up from non-consensual sex. And, you know, for example... Well, hold on. I'm going to stop you for a second because you talk about kindness, but you also talk about uh, BDSM. Mm -hmm. So what is the difference? A lot of people do get confused on that. BDSM is different from abuse because in abuse, the person receiving... um, Isn't asking for it. Right. Okay. They are specifically saying they don't want it. But within a BDSM relationship, there is respect. And essentially, the submissive is actually the one in control. Because the submissive says, I want this. It will stop if I say, you know, the color red. For example, I would like to be slapped on my ass. I don't want to be slapped on my face. Don't touch the face. Do not touch the face. (laughs) Yeah, things like that. Uh It's specifically, they have full control. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your sexual history or, or background. I'm actually pansexual. You've got to explain this. I've heard <laughs> this. I don't know what the heck it means. It means being able to be romantically and sexually attracted to anyone despite their gender type. Doesn't mean you're attracted to everyone, right? Just like a heterosexual woman is not attracted to every man. You know, I make that argument all the time because um, especially men who are homophobic, because I say to them, wait a second, do you find every heterosexual girl you see, do you find them all attractive? You want to sleep with all of them? And they're like, no, of course not. I'm like, then why would you think every gay man would want to sleep with you? Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, conceited. Right? It's like, <laughs> how arrogant are you? It's like, what, you don't want to go hang out with this gay guy because he might hit? What? That's ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, I'm trying to understand the difference between bisexual, where you'll sleep and have feelings for both men and women, and pansexual. So what does pan also include? People who are in the middle of being a man and a woman. Um, they can be transgender. For example, they can be a man who is becoming a woman, a woman becoming a man, or someone who does decide to stay in the middle. Okay, so then you've had experiences with people like that to be able to call yourself a pansexual. Yeah. Okay. Continuing on now on on what I want to talk with you about on your professional life, and that is you work with a lot of couples. Mm -hmm. What is their age range? From 20s to 50s. And I know that there are a lot of issues, but can you kind of give me a few of the main issues that people come to you for? A lot of times the man feels like there's this disconnection with his wife because she has some sort of shame or trauma and so she's not able to really give in in the bedroom and he wants them to be able to have that kind of connection, that kind of intimacy. One guy, for example, he was saying that he did know his wife dealt with sexual trauma when she was young. And therefore, whenever they have sex, she tends to get triggered and freak out. And it makes him really sad. You know, he also has to deal with that. He feels ashamed for being a sexual creature, feeling like he's hurting her by them trying to enter into experiencing an erotic moment. Does anyone come to you and want to experience things that they're not doing right now? Couples who maybe want to try an open marriage. Mm -hmm. Do open marriages work in your opinion? Yes. Oh, yeah. You're in one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know lots of couples who it does. I'm very much a part of the community. The community is very big. I am shocked to find out that I have friends who live that lifestyle. I never would have guessed it. I I thought they were pretty conservative. And they're really, really happy. Mm -hmm. And then the more I talk to people, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we participate in that or... Our neighbors are, and it's like, and it's all walks of life, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about your experience with an open marriage. Is it something your husband was into before he met you? 
Well, yes. When we first met, we both were in open relationships. This is my second marriage. Mm -hmm. In my first marriage, that's how I got into polyamory. Before I knew what polyamory was, I'd never heard of the term ethical non-monogamy. But basically what happened there was we got together when we were 18, got married when we were 20. We were always pretty wild people, but um, I found out that he was cheating on me quite often mm. and we were best friends. And at a certain point I told him, you know, just talk to me about things. How, I understand we got together young, but did you ever think that maybe I am curious about exploring other things too? We both haven't been with a lot of people and I get crushes too. So we were both like, yeah, you know, let's try this. We know we don't want to leave each other, but we also are curious about things with other people too. So we just made rules, you know, let's tell each other everything. We are each other's priority. How did that work out for you? With him, it did not work because he was a major alcoholic. It's very hard to follow rules if you're drunk all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, already I wasn't his priority anyway. Alcohol was. But as far as kind of delving into the open marriage, you accepted it right away? It was every uh, It was my idea. It was your idea. Mm -hmm. Were there jealousy issues? No. So the first marriage ends. Yes. Uh, well, before it ended, I moved to New York City because I met this girl. I was planning on moving to LA, but I had no friends. She was from New York. Her and I got along really well. She said, you know, why don't you just try living in New York first? You can stay on our couch for $100 a month. And if you really don't like it, then you can move to LA. So I did. Her and her boyfriend were in an open relationship. Me and my husband were in an open marriage. We all became friends and their relationship naturally fell apart for many reasons. They were not a healthy relationship, me and my husband, same thing. Both of our relationships, it was inevitable that they were going to end. And her boyfriend and I naturally grew closer together. And we've been a blessing in each other's lives because also the whole open thing, it made us see how relationships can be. Because to be honest, I think that if me and my first husband were not in an open relationship, we might still be together, which would be horrible. It would have destroyed my life. He would tell me things like, no one will ever love you the way I love mm. you, which makes someone think that it's hard to be loved. Right. It was with my now husband that I got to see how I can be treated and the way I deserve to be treated. And so him and I, we thought, oh, okay, we've learned open relationships don't work. Let's protect ourselves. And we wanted to get really connected. So we were monogamous for the first four years, but then we got so connected and we had so much trust that we actually felt like having some independence and other experiences would help us grow. And it has. And so it's lasted for eight years. Yes. No issues? No. <laughs> None? No. But then you guys both went into the relationship having been in other open relationships. Mm -hmm. Would you agree then that if you don't have a strong marriage, this kind of arrangement will kill it fast? I think so. There are some people who disagree. There's some people who say you don't need to have a good relationship before you open up. It might ease things to where you do end up finding your better partner. So in my opinion, it's more like a transition into a breakup, which you know sometimes is the way it should be. But I think definitely if you really want it to be successful and you want it to be easier, mm -hmm. there needs to be a lot of trust and a lot of good communication and a lot of good intimacy between you two. That way, when you have dynamics with other people, it doesn't... So when we were monogamous, I was actually very jealous and very insecure because I was terrified that he was going to meet this other girl that was everything I was and more. Mm -hmm. 
But what I ended up finding out is that there's a lot of people. Everyone's very unique. And what him and I have is so special. And even though there will be other people who are wonderful, that doesn't mean I'm not also wonderful. And if him and I have a great relationship, why does he need to say goodbye to me to say hello to someone else? Mm Mm-hmm. We're polyamorous, which means many loves versus just ethically non-monogamous. So we don't only have sex with other people. You know, I have boyfriends and he recently, he's developed this relationship with this girl who I adore so much (laughs) and it looks like they're going to blossom into a beautiful relationship. And um, boy, you guys have all the bases covered. You're an open marriage. mm -hmm. You're polyamorous. Mm -hmm. What else? You're pansexual. Mm -hmm. What about him? He's straight. So polyamorous, then it's not just about having sex with a bunch of other people because that's what an open marriage is. Mm -hmm. Is it the added emotion? Yes. You're allowed to love other people. We did not see it going that way. When we first started off, one of our rules was no love for other people. Well, how can that be a rule? Because, (laughs) I mean, you know, you can't make yourself love someone. You can't make yourself not. Well, it's kind of like how monogamous people try to control that. Right. It'll be like, um, don't spend a lot of time with this other person. How about kissing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I've talked to people who thought kissing was much more intimate than sexual intercourse. And so some of their rules would be lay off on the kissing. Yeah, I've always found that interesting. I've never had sex without kissing and I would never want sex without kissing. But that's me. How do you see oral sex? Do you see that as more intimate than intercourse? Yeah, I mean, I guess in the senses of that, there are a lot of people who have penetration without having oral sex. And there's a lot of people who don't participate in oral sex one way or both ways until they feel very, very comfortable. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it can be more intimate to some people than penetrative sex. Right. But to you, it's all the same. Like it's all part of the experience. Yeah, I've never had a problem with oral sex. Aside from not being jealous, Mm -hmm. aside from having such a strong relationship with your husband and allowing him to experience other things. Is there a turn on there for you to know that he's with someone else? I mean, because it's got to be part of it. I can't imagine that. Yeah. That is love that's making you, you know, let him go off. It's a high. Ever since we opened up our marriage, I've always been a pretty sexual person. It's gotten on a whole other level. Um, Recently, we did our first swap date. Because we met this amazing couple. We just adore them. We have so much fun together. So I date them both. I mean, we do like group stuff together. But like sexually, you know, since he's straight, him and the guy don't interact that way. Um, But they're friends. We're all friends. I'm with them both sexually and romantically. And my husband dates the girl. And we recently had our very first swap date sleepover where she came up and him and her went out on a legit date while I went on a date with her boyfriend. We spent the night at each other's places. And in the morning, him and I called each other while I was driving home and told each other everything. (laughs) Yeah. So it's almost like sex a second time Yeah, when you're reliving it with your husband. Yeah. And you find it a turn on to hear about what he did. Yeah. And then it's like, I want to come home and get it the way she got it. And sometimes it's like when we'll be having sex, I'll be like, oh, my God, that position was so fucking hot. You have to do that with her. (laughs) Wow. You guys are very giving. Yes. The way I see it is he is a gift to women. And I feel like it's only fair that I share. And at the end of the day, he comes home to me. And I really love that. Actually, you know what? I've heard that a lot. Yeah. That. Still, at the end of the day, I've heard my friend say this, at the end of the day, she's coming home to me. Yeah. So there's still something very special that you hold on for yourselves and no one else, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that, you know, he's still mine. Yeah. You're just sharing him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
does your family know that that yeah. you live this? They do. <laughs> yeah. My whole family, all our friends, even our acquaintances, because we want other people to know that if they see us out with someone else that we're not cheating. cheating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My whole family knows. They knew about me being open in my first relationship too. So they know that this is just a part of who I am. Have you ever tried to talk your parents into doing something like this? Well. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, well, so... They, they cheated on each other a lot. They, they've now been together 32 years. Mm-hmm. But all when I was a child and they would cheat on each other a lot and it caused a lot of problems. But they've changed a lot. My dad is truly a polyamorous person. He has the ability to love more than one person without that subtracting love from my mother. He never wants to leave my mother. He makes that always clear that she is his number one and he will love her to the day he dies. He's never going to leave her. But there, I don't know how much I should say here. Did you suggest to them that maybe they should try an open marriage? Yeah. So so about six years ago, my dad told me that he'd gotten in a situation where he was in love with another woman and he totally didn't expect it and didn't know what to do. I suggested that he tell my mother and that they talk about it. They work it out. In the beginning, she absolutely freaked out because even though she had fallen in love with other guys in her life and had other relationships and sometimes there is hypocrisy that happens when emotions are high and of course, fear is going we on. Do it. Uh-huh. But over time, she saw that he hadn't left her. So they're working it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has less of a desire to be with other people because she's gone through menopause. She just doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really want to put that effort into dating. And I wouldn't say he wants to put that effort into dating. And he's, it's just this other woman. It's not, you know, he's not going around and sleeping with a whole bunch of people. And let's talk about menopause and the effects it has on women. There are some people who said, you know, after my wife hit menopause, it's like she turned into a man. It's like she doesn't want anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And that led them to stray. I know someone who he's in an ethically non-monogamous relationship with his wife because she went through menopause and she they love each other very much. They want to be together, spend the rest of their life together. They're great house partners and, you know, and still very romantically involved. But she admitted to him, you know, I She just doesn't want it anymore. I don't want sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't care if he has sex with other people. Part of their arrangement is that he's only with sex workers because she made the rule that she doesn't want there to be any possible feelings involved. It's just sex. So it's kind of like once a week on Tuesday after work. It's Taco know, Tuesday, everybody. Hours, yeah. With, um, <laughs> with his favorite mm-hmm. escort and then comes home for dinner. They call it the oldest profession for a reason. It's been going on forever. Obviously, it's illegal here, and yet people still do it. Do you approve of sex for money, money for sex? I do. It really depends on the context. Obviously, sex trafficking where someone is completely being controlled and they don't want to do it and they're not keeping the money, obviously that's wrong. But there is consensual sex work, which means that the person who is asking to be compensated for their time wants to be doing it. They enjoy doing it. Sometimes there are people who they don't necessarily like the job, but it works for them because maybe they have children or they have a lot of debt or they they have their reasons why they've chosen this job. Just like there's people who they don't like their other jobs, but they do it for the money. They do it for the convenience. So that more is survival sex work. I don't necessarily think that that's 
the healthiest choice. But I don't judge people who feel like, you know, they're doing what they need to do for their life. I think consensual sex work where women really do enjoy it and they feel like this is a talent of theirs because a lot of these girls tell me that they feel like they're a healer. You know, they actually enjoy their clients because also something that a lot of people don't understand is they get to choose who they see. They vet people, you know, they will do emails or phone calls to make sure that there is chemistry. They will have websites where they say, these are my boundaries. These are my rates. This is my personality. This is the kind of person I'm looking to engage with. I mean, because that's something I would expect like in, you know, Thailand, right? Where you could like go online and order some, like there's a menu or something, but is this happening here? Yes. And in the more developed countries, like parts of Europe and, and yes, here, Australia. By the way, since you're mentioning all these other places, do you think we as Americans are uptight about sex? Yes, absolutely. Despite how we claim to be open-minded? Yeah, it's actually very sad and unhealthy because here it's over-sensationalized. It's like everyone is secretly obsessed with it. You know, how porn is such a huge thing. But yet we tend to not really talk about it in a healthy, outward way like this. What a lot of people don't know is that in these more developed countries, there is a lot of this consensual sex work where the workers are very educated, like the same people who you see walking around. A lot of them, they are on dates with successful businessmen out in restaurants, and you can't even tell because they don't walk around in skimpy dresses and stripper heels. It really is played out all like a real date. It's just that the man understands that, you know, he's not offering her a long-term relationship. Maybe he's not necessarily her type. And so he offers her money for her time. You know, a lot of these guys care about these women's financial stability, their future. They get to know each other and, you know, they learn about their dreams. So so, but, so it's a business contract. Yeah. And a lot of times there's also friendship. Mm -hmm. They really, you know, they'll tend to see the same girls over and over again. It becomes a mutually beneficial relationship. It's, it's not just based on the sex. It's not just based on the money. I've always said if I was a guy... Man, I'd be I'd I'd have 24 hours of like nonstop sex. That's how I always viewed how pleasurable sex is for men. Mm -hmm. What do the studies say? Have you looked into this? Yeah. Who, who has the better orgasm? Women. Really? Yes. How? So actually the clitoris has double the amount of nerve endings than the tip of the penis. And so there's more sensation. Women have multiple ways of orgasm, mm -hmm. such as from the clitoris, from the G-spot, from penetration, but that's actually one of the hardest ways mm -hmm. for a female to orgasm. And women can have multiple orgasms. They vary in the level of intensity. Women can have orgasms that last up to like five minutes. What? I've personally experienced that. Really? Yes, I love it. <laughs> five minutes? Yes. I feel like I would pass out and die if that happened. Yeah, afterwards, you're very tired. <laughs> Can you share, like, what was different, how that happened? That happened with a Hitachi on my clit while being fucked very just perfect how I wanted to be fucked um, with someone I really loved and felt excited by. And yeah, so uh, a lot of times women orgasm, it's fake. And, and I've told so many of my guy friends, trust me. You've been with a woman who's faked it. Mm -hmm. If not every woman you've been with has faked it. 
and they just won't believe me. They're like, no way. She, I heard her. No, 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 no. It's actually kind of sad. It is. How many women don't enjoy sex, don't have orgasms when they're with their partner? But hey, you guys, the trade-off is ours feel better than yours, right? Yeah. And so the thing about the female orgasm is that really when a woman orgasms, her vagina, it does this clenching and releasing, like a contracting, mm -hmm. and her whole body, all of the muscles in her body start tensing and contracting. So um, they kind of go into this like paralysis seizure thing. And usually the woman doesn't want to flail around and act crazy. And she's more like, <laughs> and, um, so, if you're with, so if you're with a woman and she's like going wild, like a bull, chances are she might not be having the orgasm you think she is. Yeah. A lot of acting goes into that. The reason why women fake it is so selfless. Yeah. Because we do it for the guy. Yeah. For his ego. Right. But that is doing such a disservice to yourself. Because you're not teaching him anything. You are getting nowhere by faking your orgasms. Yeah. And women don't learn that. Some women never learn it. But women don't learn that until much later in life. Mm -hmm. And also it's really sad that in that moment they are experiencing sex from the outside and they're performing mm -hmm. instead of focusing on what they are feeling and experiencing inside their body. Have you ever heard the term, and if you haven't, it's because I made it up, selfish sex? You haven't heard about that? Oh my gosh. This intimacy coach happens that I really did make it up. Well, that's why I'm like, I guess not. But so, I can I assume that I understand it. Okay, so then let me know if this is what you thought of when I said that. Mm -hmm. It took me pretty uh, late in life to have selfish sex where it was all about me. Mm -hmm. Like, not that I didn't care, but my focus wasn't on him. Mm -hmm. I wasn't worried. Is he enjoying himself? I wasn't worried. How do I look? I wasn't worried about all of those other things. And finally, it was like a light went on and I, it was great. But up until then, it was just for the other person. I think the best sex is, for me, selfish sex. Mm -hmm. And trust me, they're, they're having a good time too. Mm -hmm. When you're with the right man, he's really only going to really enjoy it when he knows you truly are. Yeah. Anyway, but is that what you thought selfish sex probably was? Yes. And that's honestly the only sex I have. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It sounds awful. But when you get it, you'll get it. Okay, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about jealousy. There will be a lot of men who listen to this podcast and they can't even imagine sharing their woman. A lot of men are that way. They can't imagine. They don't want to imagine it. They won't consider it because right away it's no one is going to be with my woman. And it's a jealousy thing. How does someone overcome that? I mean, I, I get jealousy. Personally, I've never been a jealous person. And that always bothered the guy. It's always like, well, if you love me, you no. But I think the majority of people have that green monster inside them, right? Like you don't want to see your mate with someone else. How do you overcome something like that? Especially if you want to venture into this open marriage and uh, non-monogamy stuff. Well, I think a really important thing for people to realize is that jealousy is conditioned. We were taught to be jealous. For a lot of the time that people have existed on earth, people were not monogamous. It's something that has developed over time due to what people felt was needed during the agricultural revolution and as a form of birth control. And yeah. So you think it's unhealthy? I do. 
And so, for example, with the conditioning, someone brought up to me about how they were watching with their kids the Flintstones, and there was this part where Fred Flintstone looked at another woman and Wilma got mad at him. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of presented in this cute way. So already to children, we're being told that this is acceptable behavior, when really it's actually very unhealthy. Um, In my opinion, men and women don't actually experience jealousy different. It's just that men tend to do it with anger and women tend to do it with sadness. And this whole thing about men being unwilling to let their woman be with someone else really, really makes me mad because a lot of women have had to put up with their man being with another woman and they tend to swallow it and put up with it and forgive it. But those same men, if she happens to have an affair with someone else, they will say, you know what? It's over. Not cool. Obviously, everyone that we interview on this show is, you know, very open about their sexual history and their sexual practices. And a lot of them are into this open marriage and experimenting and doing all this other stuff. But there are people out there who is one man, one woman. That's it. Do you find that weird? Do you find that healthy? Or is it kind of everyone's got their own thing? I've definitely met people who insist that when they are with one person, they don't have eyes for anyone else and they're completely devoted and they think they will be for the rest of their lives. To be totally honest, I think most of the time they are lying because they're trying to present, you know, uh, pure. Yes. So do you think they're also lying to themselves? Yes, especially because when they think about that for all the rest of their lives, they're never going to see the value in another person where they will be attracted to them in that way. Now, saying that, they might not ever act on it. Right. And so in that case, they are truly monogamous. You know, for some people, like when me and my husband were monogamous, I very much romanticized that. But once I started looking outside, my whole world kind of opened up. And that's when I really started to love people because before then, I honestly kind of hated people. I thought people sucked. Like I was one of those pessimistic, you know, like, oh, people suck. And I thought the only good men in the world was my husband, my father, and my brother. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there's a lot of really wonderful men. So you don't think humans were really made to be monogamous? No. It's scientifically proven that we were not. And through anthropology as well. And history shows it that we were not um, monogamous for a long time in lots of different cultures all around the world. Do you see yourself living this life like forever? Yes. We see it as an open door. It is always an option to have the conversation. I think we're allowed to change our minds whenever we want, as long as it's always a conversation and an agreement. If, for example, one of us developed feelings for someone else, I would absolutely never want one of us to lie and be hiding that. It grows disconnection and I would just rather know about it and say, okay, well, yeah, let's explore this again. You also say that you're polyamorous, which means that you're capable of loving other people. Mm Mm-hmm. So have you fallen in love with other people while married to your husband? Yeah. And so, and then what do you do? How do you keep that from breaking up your marriage? (laughs) It's never even been like a scary thing. Like, oh my God, it's going to break up my marriage. No, not at all. So you just share it openly with your husband? Yeah. And what happened? I mean, did that love eventually stop, go away, fade? So there's one guy I've been seeing for almost three years now. Me and my husband met him on the same day. We met him. He taught us about the lifestyle. We both really respected him. He talked to my husband about, you know, saying like, yeah, you know, I I feel this connection with your wife and I want you to know I really respect you and talked about it. And he was like, 
yeah, I honestly really respect you and trust you. And I think you're wonderful. And I think you would treat her well. I'd be totally comfortable with you guys going on a date. And so he was the first guy I started dating in this open marriage. He has four other partners. The thing is, and and I tend to like having five partners. It works really well for me. So five different partners at, at any given time in your life. That's the magic number for you. Yeah, because everyone's busy. Most of them have their own partners. And so we can see each other when it makes sense and it keeps things fresh. And there's not a lot of pressure on anyone to fulfill all your needs. Needs. Like one partner I practice BDSM stuff with, one partner we're more spiritual and do Tantra stuff with, one partner is a girl. Um, so you've known this guy for three years? About three years now. Yeah. And we've always had the kind of relationship where we see each other like once every month. It was his birthday, his primary partner, who I adore so much. We're very close friends. And uh, she planned where she made him think it was going to be a date just them two, but she had all his metamors come together. Metamor meaning your partner's partners who oh. you're not sexually involved Metamore. with. Mm-hmm. And so we were there and surprised him for dinner. And then we, you know, went home and played. All and, of you? Uh, yeah. So five girls and the guy. Yeah. Well, happy birthday to him. I mean, to be honest, like I'm never going to love someone the way I love my husband. And I let people know that. Boyfriends, I let them know, like, you need to understand my husband is my number one. He, you know, we are planning to. And you are only number four, mister. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Plus, we have a lot of rules that prevent any issues. You know, one of our rules is that we tell everyone that we're in an open relationship. You know, so if someone's flirting with us, they understand that. We let them know that we are very happy and that we tell each other everything. So that gets rid of a lot of problematic people. So we will only be with other people who respect our relationship, our partner, and would be cool with meeting them as well. Because if anything starts to develop more, then we have a rule that my husband, that we meet Mm -hmm. the person Mm -hmm. so that they can understand, respect both people. Both people can understand. So do you have advice for people who are hearing this and thinking maybe maybe it might be for them. I mean, you can't just jump into it. How, how do you start? What's great about ethical non-monogamy is that there are many different types for the different you know ways people want to go about it. There's swinging, which means that everything that's done is done together. They only have sex with other people together as a couple. And usually that does not become loving relationships with other people. You know, maybe it's they just have- sex. Yeah. Maybe they would have a thruple where it's like one person who's- becomes their new girlfriend. And then there's open relationship or open marriage, which is where you have outside partners. You have sex with them alone, but there's no love involved, only sex. Then there's polyamory, which is when love is allowed. And so you can have full-on other relationships outside of your main relationship. Another option is for one person to be active outside the relationship with an agreement or where both people are active outside the relationship. Any last thoughts? It's really important to never pressure someone. There's always the future. It's important to be patient so that people can feel trust. And you can always learn more about yourself and your partner. Life can really open up and become more expansive and fulfilling. And you're always allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to try things. I think people get scared because they think, oh, if we're going to make this decision, it's going to be for the rest of our lives. No. Yeah, it's, it's great to explore. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm your host, Lena Wynn. Look us up on social media. On Twitter, we're at Consent Adults. On Instagram, it's consenting underscore adults underscore show. On the next episode of Consenting Adults, 
A couple from middle America talks about how things don't always go as planned. I saw her doing what she was doing with another man, and I almost felt like I was being replaced. That's next time on Consenting Adults.